0: but in eternity in the life to come. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray these things. Amen. Good morning, Bettendorf Christian Church family. Hope all of you are doing well. Hey, it's been exciting sitting in the back listening to all the applause happening. Let's clap for somebody else. Let's all give Dustin a big round of applause for bringing out this uh, chart for us. Well, my name is Barry Steiner. I'm the uh, family and student pastor here at Bettendorf Christian Church. And I'm also currently serving as a senior interim pastor. And I I hope you brought your Bibles this morning. And if you did, go ahead and grab those things and open up to the book of John. We're going to dive into the uh, third chapter. So John chapter 3, if you want to grab that and just have that ready as we get started this morning. I hope you had the opportunity to be here in person last week, or if you weren't able to be here in person, I hope at least that you're able to uh, attend online as Evan started to unpack our new series, Are We There Yet?, and no exaggeration, are we there yet, is probably something I've heard hundreds if not thousands of times in the 24 years that I've served as a children and student pastor, taking them on camps and trips and retreats and really even since the six years that I've been able to serve here, we've taken our students to Illinois and Indiana and Missouri and Michigan, uh, to Tennessee and Kentucky and Georgia and even out to Colorado. And while we're in Colorado, we had the opportunity to go to the, you know, the four corners. So we also hit Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. And you could bet on that trip, I probably heard, are we there yet, Uh, at least once or twice. And uh, yeah, at least once or twice. I think the thing is with students, they, they like to ask that question just to have some fun. You know, get under our skin a little bit as drivers or as sponsors. And so they may kind of play along. They may joke. But what I want you to know in this series, are we there yet? This is no joke. In fact, we want to be very serious. We want you to start to seriously... Try to define where you are at as individuals. So personally, where are you in your stage of spiritual growth? And, and we want to encourage you to move from the stage you're in to the next stage. Or if you're finally here, if you've made it, the thing is Christ has called us to continue to go towards righteousness and continue to work out our salvation, as Evan explained to us last week. And so it's been exciting, just one week into this series, and it's just been amazing to see how God has already started to work. Calls have been coming into the office this week where um, we've had members of our church family calling in and saying, hey, I realize that like, I'm in one of these stages here, but I don't want to stay there like I want to move into the next stage. And so they've explained to us what they're doing or what they believe God has shown them so they can begin to move on to the next stage. It's been exciting to hear of the discussions that have taken place um, within our life groups and how you guys are challenging one another to move on to the next stage. And I wish I could go into some of the details of 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 some of the things I've heard, but I've heard some of our church family members have made life-changing decisions already, saying, listen, we hear God is calling us to do this. We hear God is calling us to change that. We feel like God is leading us to this. And so if God is already doing this in one week, I cannot wait to see where we are at in nine weeks after we see what God continues to do in this series. Can I get an amen? You know, these stages that we've referred to, these these things that Evan introduced to us last week, we we took them from a chart or from a book uh, by Jim Putman. And uh, he wrote a book called Real Life Discipleship. And so he goes into... um, These stages of of being dead and the need to be born again, of of being an infant, a child, a young adult, or a parent. But the quadrant I guess we want to focus on this morning, man, that was cool, wasn't it? We We get to talk about what it means for somebody to be in the spiritually dead stage and for their need to be born again. And I want to stop right here because in my opinion, I truly believe born again is a churchy word. I've had a lot of conversations with people who've not made a decision to follow Christ. I'll call them an unbeliever. I've had a lot of conversations with an unbeliever where this is confusing. And they ask, why do I need to be born again? Or what does it even mean to be born again? And I think this is something that Jesus himself dealt with. I I, I think Jesus dealt with what it meant to be born again. How many of you are familiar with the story of Jesus and Nicodemus? We find that story in John chapter 3 and what we find out is Nicodemus is a, a Pharisee. He's a member of the Jewish council. And then we see that he comes to Jesus at sea, you know, at night in secret because he doesn't want his Pharisee buddies to know what he's doing. He comes to Jesus and he tells Jesus that he understands, listen, Jesus is a teacher that has been sent by God who's been performing these signs and nobody could perform signs like Jesus was performing unless God were with them. Now we don't know all the reasons of why Nicodemus comes to Jesus. All we know is that he came and this is what Jesus explains to Nicodemus. Starting in verse 3, he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now clearly I think this confused Nicodemus because of the response we see next. He says, How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, I don't know about you, but at least when I was younger, this cracked me up. I thought, like, I, I get this Nicodemus guy. Like, he's got a little sass to him, or maybe he's just a little bit sarcastic. But as I've studied this passage, I don't think this is the case at all. I think some, some uh, commentaries, some, some uh, theologians, they'll tell you that he was being a little bit sarcastic here, but, but I don't believe that's the case at all. I believe through what i've studied and what i see in scripture and how jesus really walks him through this i truly believe that nicodemus interprets jesus's words rather literally and i think this obviously leads to a lot of confusion because man this is kind of a ridiculous extreme that he allows himself to go to you know very likely nicodemus really doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. I think there's a level of unbelief here in Nicodemus that his mind just can't grasp exactly what it means to be born again. And so I think Jesus tries to clear up any confusion um, with the conversation as it continues. And in verses 5 and 6, it says, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So Jesus, he informs Nicodemus that he's not talking about, or I'm sorry, that he is talking about a different type of birth. He's not talking about the physical one, but he's talking about a spiritual birth. By saying that flesh gives birth to flesh jesus is referring to our physical birth but then when he starts to talk about being born of water and being born of spirit he's referring to a spiritual birth that each and every person must allow to have happen in their life after their physical birth the phrase born again it can also be translated as born from above so um, our physical birth that takes place here on earth but our spiritual birth it's from God it's from above and so Jesus he goes on and he continues and he says this in verse 7 It says you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again so here Jesus repeats the necessity of new birth to Nicodemus but I think it's important to point out here that the word you that is used here in verse 7 it's actually a plural word So he's not just talking to Nicodemus. Not only is Nicodemus the one that needs to be born again, but all of humanity needs to be born again. We need to have the same rebirth. I think this is an amazing conversation. I think Nicodemus, just like most people who approach Jesus, probably came with his own agenda. There were probably things he wanted to ask or things he wanted to know. We don't know what that is because Jesus immediately begins to talk to him. And I think Jesus starts to talk to him about the need for conversion. This nighttime encounter that Jesus has with Nicodemus, it also leads us to the most important passage of Scripture in all of the Bible, in my opinion. And that's John 3.16, where it tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, one of the words that is important here, one of the key words of this passage is the word belief. More specifically, the belief in Jesus Christ. However, the spiritually dead, this stage that we're talking about here this morning, it is characterized by the word unbelief. Unbelief, specifically an unbelief in Christ. And Scripture tells us that those who do not believe in Jesus says that they are spiritually dead. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2:1, he says, "As for you, you were you were dead in your transgressions and sins." The first part of Romans 6:23 it says that the wages of sin, I'm sorry, yeah, is death. This means that every person born in this world is born spiritually dead. There's a need for each and every one of us to have a spiritual rebirth. We're dead in our transgressions and our sins. Without Christ, we are separated from God, who is life. Romans 3.23, it tells us all of us have sinned, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I think it's important to take a pause here, and I, I think it's important for me to let you know, if you don't know this already that each and every one of us who are here in this building or watching online, every one of us are going to die one day. And I know that that kind of brings a downer to our meeting this morning, doesn't it? But there's a truth to it. No matter how many miles we jog or how many vitamins we take or how many times we go and consult our doctors, each and every one of us, unless the Lord comes back, and that would be pretty darn cool, but unless the Lord returns... Every single one of us in this room will die a physical death. But believe it or not, I think there's something worse. And that's a spiritual death. And what scripture tells us is those who are apart from Christ, those who do not know him, those who have not made him their Lord and their Savior, they will experience this spiritual death. Revelation 20, it speaks of the second death, which will be experienced by all again who enter eternity without receiving Christ as their Savior. Listen to what the Apostle John writes about this revelation that Jesus gave him. Um, It's in uh, chapter 20, verses 14 and 15. He says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And this is why there needs to be such an urgency this morning. This is why there has to be an urgency of discipleship. I don't know if you know this or not, but the typical church believer will die without ever leading a single person to Jesus Christ. The average believer... Will die without leading a single person to the life saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And listen, this is a shame. This is an absolute shame when we consider that hell is real. There may be some of us in here this morning who have family members who do not know Jesus, we may have friends who do not know Jesus. And I believe it is our responsibility to take the gospel message, the loving gospel message of Jesus Christ to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our enemies, the people we don't know, and give them this life-changing answer of Jesus. This is what God has called us to. Listen, I might even be speaking to some of you this morning. There are some of you this morning who are here. You are living in this spiritually dead stage. You've not yet been born again. And if I'm talking to you, my prayer for you today, my prayer for you this morning is that you would accept Christ as your savior, that you would believe in him, that you would confess him as your Lord and your savior, that you would repent of your sins and that you would be baptized in to Christ and then you would live each day as a new believer, that you would become a disciple yourself and you would start to share the gospel message with those around you. Or I at least hope that you'd be willing to have a conversation. I hope that you'd be willing to talk with somebody who is in one of these other four stages we'll continue to talk about through this series. Find somebody who can talk to you. Listen, I would love to talk to you. Our elders would love to talk to you. Our life group leaders would love to talk with you. Listen, today could be the day that you accept Christ as your Savior. Now, before we continue this morning, I want to make perfectly clear what Evan and I are trying to accomplish through what we feel like the Holy Spirit, what God has given us. I want you to know, like, what we're doing, where we're heading. And it's important that we, we understand that we're talking to each and every person on two levels. The first level that we're talking about um, is, is, is clearly, where are you? Where are you on this graph? Where are you on this chart? If you are spiritually dead, our hope is for you to be born again and enter into infancy. But if you are an infant, our hope and desire for you is that you will recognize that that is exactly where you are and then that you would desire to move now to the child stage. And if you're in the child stage, our hope is that you would realize exactly where you're at and then you would be encouraged and have a desire to move to young adult and then on to parent. And that was what we had happening all week in the office. I loved it. There's been a lot of stuff going on around here since last March with COVID and, and, and just all the changes that have been taking place. It has been stressful. It has been hard. But Evan, I can say this because I don't think he's around and I can make fun of him a little bit, but I'm not really making fun because it was awesome. He was running around like a little kid with a smile on his face saying, I just got off the phone with somebody and they wanna go from one stage to the next. And it was so awesome and, and exciting to see the passion of somebody wanting to make a decision. And so again, we want to encourage you. Where are you? This morning, we're going to be talking specifically about those who are spiritually dead, but everybody else needs to pay attention because that's not the only thing that we will be talking about. I want the rest of us to be able to say, okay, this is where I'm at, but there's something else I need to do. You know, a couple months ago, we spent a few few weeks in our focus series, and the whole purpose of that whole series was to do an in-depth study, an in-depth look at the Great Commission. This is Jesus' final command to his disciples before he goes to heaven, you know, before he ascends. And then he tells his disciples in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I share this this morning as a reminder that if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, He has commanded you. He has commissioned you. He has charged you with the responsibility to go and to make disciples. So I want you to understand that even if you're an infant, it is your responsibility to be a disciple. It's your dis- your responsibility as an infant to tell somebody who's in the spiritually dead stage that they need to be born again. God has a purpose for each and every one of us, because I believe this intentional discipleship requires the disciple maker to respond to a person's stage of spiritual growth. So the second thing we want to accomplish through this series is this. We want to help you understand how you can recognize somebody who is in this stage. We want you to recognize somebody who might be in this stage. So what I mean is this. If you're a young adult we want you to be able to recognize somebody who might be in the infant stage. To recognize that. And then how can you, as a more mature believer in Jesus, how can you help this person who is in the infant stage move on to the child stage? And how can you lead somebody, if you're a parent, who's in the young adult stage, to be a parent themselves, And even if you're an infant... Like I said earlier, we want you to be able to recognize those who are spiritually dead and be able to lead them to be born again, to allow the Spirit to work. And so I hope this morning that that I'm making this clear. And in the time we have left this morning, I want to refer to Jim Putman's book, and I want to share with you three things. I want to share with you how to recognize the spiritually dead, how to understand the needs of the spiritually dead, and then what to do with the spiritually dead. So first this morning, I want to look at how to recognize. How do we recognize the spiritually dead? As a reminder, the spiritually dead are characterized by their unbelief in Christ. You know, this shows up in a lot of ways in their life, such as a rebellious attitude towards God. Because the sinful nature is allowed to rule in the heart of the spiritually dead, the relationships of an unbeliever tend to be shallow, and they tend to be broken. The beliefs, values, attitudes, and behaviors of the spiritually dead include these things. So again, these are the beliefs, the values, the attitudes, and the behaviors of the spiritually dead, and this is what they include. It includes either a disbelief in the supernatural altogether, so No God, no angels, no Satan, no demons. Or maybe the belief is in many forms of the supernatural, which would include multiple deities and interactions with the dead, superstitions and astrology and so on. There's disbelief in God, which is atheism, or a belief maybe in the possibility of a God, or possibility that God doesn't exist, which is agnosticism. Or maybe there's a belief that God exists, but he's different than the God of the Bible. Maybe there's a belief in one God, but there's many ways that we can get to him. There's an anger towards Christians and the church. Sometimes there's an ignorance or a confusion about God or Jesus or the church. Many times people who are spiritually dead are misinformed about spiritual biblical truth. They have spiritual blindness, I guess we could call it. There's a belief in the answers that they're seeking and they're looking for can be found in worldly prestige in fame and power and so on. There's a belief that they are as good as everybody else so they don't really need a savior. Or maybe on the flip side of that, there's a belief that they've done too much wrong, that they're not very good people and that there's no way that God would love them or that God would want to save them. There's also a belief that is what is right for you is right for you. Or what's right for him or her is right for, for them. That there is no absolute, that there is no right or wrong. So, so those are some of the values and things. But these are some of the representative things that the spiritually dead would say that reveal who they are. And listen to some of these. Maybe you've heard them before. But again, anytime you hear these things, it should almost set off like a, like a radar in you. And you should say, you know what, I heard that. that. That's kind of a quality or a characteristic of something that the spiritually dead would say. I don't believe there is a God. The Bible's just a bunch of myths. I don't believe in miracles. Evolution explains away the need for God. God is just a crutch. There are many ways that we can get to God. You know, I don't need to be saved because I'm as good as anybody else. A good person goes to heaven. A bad person goes to hell. I believe in heaven, but I don't believe that there's a hell. You know, I'm a Christian because I I go to church and I do good things. You know, there's no hell because God is a God of love. I've been a good person, so I should be okay. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere about what you do believe again there is no absolute right or wrong and you know i don't know i don't know where i'm gonna go when i die you know for those of you who have not accepted christ as your savior for those of you who we would say would be in this spiritually dead little segment here did any of this sound familiar are these some of the things that you believe, or are these some of the things that you say? For those of you who fit within any of these other spiritual growth stages, I hope you listened. I hope you paid attention because these are ways that we can know somebody is here, and then we can lead them. These are once again ways to recognize the spiritually dead. So now I want to share how we can understand the needs. How do we understand the needs of the spiritually dead? I think first we need to remember that every single person on earth is unique. Each and everybody has been raised differently. Some of us have been raised with a non Christian worldview. Some of us have, may have been raised Buddhist or into Hinduism. Other people just doubt God's existence. I think some of us may have come from Christian homes where maybe our parents took us to church, but maybe, you know, every other day of the week it was a little bit different. We've seen a lot of inconsistency in people who call themselves Christians. So we may actually believe in God, but we just don't like Christians and we don't like the church. A lot of us think that the church is filled with a lot of hypocrites. You know, despite the differences in their backgrounds, the needs of the spiritually dead are simple. So here's the needs. Some of these things include this, a secure relationship with a mature believer. So everybody who is in the spiritually dead stage, they need a mature believer to come along beside them. They need a picture of the real Jesus. They need a picture of the real Jesus lived out in front of them. And so when we're out in our community, in our workplace, in our homes, we need to be living out Jesus. We need to be living out the real Jesus so they can see that example. Um, Again, the spiritually dead, they need answers and evidences for Christianity. Christianity. They need answers to life hard's questions. They need an explanation of the gospel message and an invitation to receive Christ. If we're gonna share our faith with the spiritually dead, we have to build an ongoing relationship with them. And as we do, I truly believe that we'll discover the reasons for them not being a Christian if we take the time to listen. We need to take the time to listen to understand why people have not accepted Christ. And then when we do that, we have to earn the right to speak into their lives so that we can deal with these issues one at a time. I think the best evidence that every single one of us who call ourselves Christian have for our faith is the time and the love that we give to other people. And here's a short list of the topics that many unbelievers wrestle with. So these are things that unbelievers struggle with and deal with. How a good God could allow evil to happen in the world. A lot of unbelievers struggle with the authority of scripture and evolution. And is there a God? I think they struggle with the violent parts of church history. Struggle with atheism and agnosticism. Maybe they struggle with the previous hurts, maybe that they've experienced in past involvement within the church. There's so many false religions and so many cults I think a lot of people just get mixed up in what's what and what does Jesus really say. And I think they have difficulty in understanding how the Bible is different than other religious books that are out there. So once again, for those of you who have not accepted Christ, did any of these questions or struggles sound familiar? Are these things that you're dealing with? Because if it is, these are things that can be answered for you. You know, while the spiritually dead need answers, the answers that mean the most are the ones that come from somebody who's a Christian themselves, somebody who's changed, somebody who was once lost but is now found. There are good and reliable answers out there for all the questions and challenges that the spiritually dead may have. And listen, I think for many of us, that's kind of a block. That's a stumbling block for us, is because we realize if we go and we talk to the spiritually dead, they may ask questions that we don't feel like we have the answers for, that we're not prepared to do this. Now, I want you to understand, that's the importance of God's word. That's the importance of scripture, and that's always the first place we should turn. But I also want to encourage you, if I could, I want to encourage you to get involved in the classes that Evan explained to us last week. These five core um, foundational classes You know, once again, if you weren't here um, or if you just need a reminder, these classes are What is Christianity? Who is a disciple? What do I have to offer? How do I share my story? And how to view the world through a biblical lens? Now listen, these classes, they're gonna be offered both in person and online, but we're just asking that you get signed up in advance. That way we can send you a link, especially, you know, those watching at home. You know, I promise you, If you want to be serious, if you really want to get serious about making disciples, if you want to get serious about being able to answer some of these hard questions, these challenging questions that unbelievers may have, these classes, they will help you out tremendously. They will prepare you for disciple making. So listen, if you truly want to follow the Great Commission, if you truly want to follow Christ's command, I I encourage you, I really encourage you to take the time to do this and to learn. Again, if you're interested, you could register through the church app. You could register through the church website. And if you need help doing this, you can go out to Guest Central this morning, and they can help you out. Or feel free to call into the church office anytime this week. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about this morning is what to do with spiritually dead. What do we do? Like, how should, what should we be doing in their lives? And the big word that I just really want you to understand, and if you forget everything else, remember this, share. You need to share. And I want to talk about the things that we need to share. The first one is this. You need to share your testimony. Now, one thing I learned first service is I am not a multitasker. I cannot write and speak at the same time, but you need to share your testimony. Listen, disciple makers need to be able to tell others who they are and what God has done for them in their life. The spiritually dead, they need to hear about our experiences with God. And as we share, we can talk about how God has changed us, how he's made us less of a mess than we were before we knew who he was. I love what 1 Peter 3.15 says. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready to talk about who you are and what Jesus has done in your life and talk about your faith. Be willing to give that account. You know, I wish we had a lot more time. I wish I had time to just go through this this morning, but unfortunately, we just don't. And so once again, I... I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to one of our core classes. How to share your testimony. How to share your story. It's one that I'm going to be personally teaching over two Sundays on February 7th and 14th. So if you want to learn how to share your story, come to that class. We also need to earn the right. We need to earn the right to share. So I'm just going to put earn right. But what we're talking about is earn the right to share with others i apologize to those of you over there hopefully you got a good view up there so can't see the board through me but we earn the right to share with the way we act the way we behave around people the way we love people the way we treat them for instance maybe somebody in your office gets sick this week So you take them over a meal one night, you just get something together, you take it over to his or her house, just show that you care. Maybe you find out that it's somebody's birthday and you just do something special for them, you recognize them. Maybe in your relationships you hurt somebody and maybe the way to just earn the right is to apologize, to say you're sorry. That's a word that a lot of people don't hear a lot of times. And when they see that there's something different about the way we live, they see that there's something different about us, then we earn the right to share Christ with them. But unfortunately, I think too many Christians are losing the right to share Christ. And as an example of what I'm talking about in the book, Real Life Discipleship, um, Putman writes this. He says, I have often heard from unbelievers that they want nothing to do with Jesus in the church. And when I ask them why, they tell me that the church are, that churches are for Republicans and that they are Democrats. What this tells me, Putman writes, is this. He says, is that Christians are often better known for who they vote for on earth than who they live for in eternity. He says, some believers are more interested in their rights, as outlined by the Constitution, than in giving up their rights, as Jesus did, so that people can be saved now, Putman, he wrote this book 11 years ago, but it still seems so relevant to a lot of what I hear from unbelievers today. You know, I hope that all of us will take the time to consider whether or not we're currently earning the right in the lives of unbelievers to share the gospel message with them. Now, the next thing we need to do with the spiritually dead is we need to pray. We need to pray for opportunity um, to to have the right and the opportunity to share our testimony and share the gospel with them we need to basically be saying lord give me these opportunities give me the opportunity show me somebody who needs to hear your word god open my eyes to the spiritually dead god give me the heart to want to do something about it Lord, help me to see what you see. God, help me to care about the things that you care about. I think when this is our prayer, I think that this will make us aware of those around us who need to know him spiritually. I can tell you in my own life, when I've prayed that God would give me opportunity to to share the gospel, listen, as a minister, I can even become complacent. Yeah, it's my job to get up here and preach, but I need to be out there on the streets doing something myself. If I'm gonna be able to lead a church to be able to do this, I have to show that I'm doing it too. And so every time I've prayed for opportunity, it's led to the opportunity to witness. And I've gotten to share the word of God with people in a bank, in a subway restaurant, in an AutoZone parking lot, out on the mall in Washington, D.C., and in a city park in Cincinnati, Ohio. Even the streets of Costa Rica. When I've prayed for opportunity, God has given me the opportunity, and so we need to pray. And the final thing is this. We need to share, and I've realized how bad my handwriting is. We need to share the gospel. It's one thing to share your story. It's one thing to share what God has done for you. But once we've shared our story, what God has done for us, and we've earned the right to continue to pray, or or, I'm sorry, continue to talk with that person or work with that person, we pray for opportunity, then we have to share the gospel. And I think, again, this is for, for many of us where we get scared. This is where many of us balk at the opportunity because we feel like we don't know enough. But just very quickly, for those of you who are living in the spiritually dead stage, but also for those of you who might be in another stage that just need to kind of know what you need to share, I want to go through this. And listen, this is a Cliff Notes version. We need to share how, according to the book of Genesis, God created us to be in a relationship with himself. He created, I'm sorry, he created a perfect world and he created us perfectly at the time. His design was for us to be in a relationship with him. And because he is our creator, this gives us life this relationship with him is the source of life now listen it was a perfect world god and man they walked together with him there was no sickness and there was no brokenness and there was no death god gave us a choice did we want to really be in relationship with him listen god didn't make us to be robots He didn't create us in a way where we would automatically love and obey him. No, he gave us a will, and he gave us a freedom to choose. And because of that freedom to choose, Adam and Eve made poor choices. However, this is still a lot of the choices that we make today, to disobey God and to go our own way. And this separates us from God. It separates us from him. It separates us from his character. It separates us from the life that he gives the book of Romans tells us that just like Adam and Eve sinned, we have all sinned. And because of that sin, we will all die. It says that separation from God comes with consequences. It's, it's guilt, it's shame, it's judgment, and ultimately, it's death. And like we talked about earlier, Revelation 20, it tells us about two kinds of death. It tells us about this physical death that each and every one of us will face, and it talks about the spiritual death for those who have not made Christ the Lord of their life. So how can we then be saved? Well, it's important to know that we cannot do it on our own. This is nothing we can do on our own. There's no way that we can attain the perfection and the holiness that's required to bridge the gap between us and God. But according to John 3.16, like we read earlier, God loved us so much that he sent his son to save us. In Jesus, he came and he took our sin. He took our sin upon himself and he went to that cross and he gave us his righteousness if we believe in him and we accept him. Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus Christ is the only answer. He died on the cross for us. He rose from the grave for us. He paid for the penalty of our sin and he bridged the gap back to God. A person is made right with God by believing in Jesus the book of Roman tells us that faith is to believe in him and to obey him it also tells us that a person who believes confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord Acts 238 it tells us that a person who believes they will confess their sins they will admit that their sins have separated them from God and then they will be baptized into Christ and a person who has been baptized into Christ scripture tells us that they are daily being made new that they were being changed by Jesus each and every day, and that the Word of God, the Bible, it is our guide, and that the church, which is God's people, this is where we learn what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now, I know that was quick, but I want you to know that you need to prepare yourself. If you're in these stages that we've been looking at, the infant stage through the spiritual parent stage, you need to know how to share the gospel message. A disciple maker must be prepared to share the gospel so that those who are spiritually dead can become children of God. We need to memorize and we need to read scripture. We need to read those important passages concerning how we share We need to dig deep into God's Word. We need to learn the answers to some of these tough questions that people are going to ask. We also need to allow ourselves to be discipled and taught by those who are spiritually more mature than we are. Remember, even if you don't know the Bible very well, you can still share what Jesus has done for you personally. And I want you to know this because this is really important. And you can fall back on this and you can rely on this. In fact, as the saying goes, you can take this one to the bank. Man, when you reach out to tell other people about Jesus, the Holy Spirit will guide you and give you exactly what you need to say. And then after we've shared the gospel, we need to be prepared to ask people if they want to give their hearts to Jesus. And that's exactly what I want to do right now. Because I don't know where you're at, what growth stage you are currently living in, but there may be those in here today that are sitting right here. And we need to get you to hear, so that you can start to do this yourself. And so this morning, if you've come here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, today can be that day. I will be up front over here in just a moment by the baptistry as our worship team leads us in a song of invitation. And the song of invitation is going to be a little different this morning because typically we'll play something a little more slow, maybe a little more thought-provoking, but we're going to go a little more upbeat today, if that's okay, because these decisions should be a celebration so if you have that decision, maybe you've been coming to church for years, but as we started talking about the questions that are asked and the things that are believed, maybe you've realized this is exactly where you are and you need to do something about it. Today can be that day. And for those of you who've maybe made the decision, but you haven't quite gone through, I guess, the steps you should take to continue to, Do the things that Christ has asked us to. If you've not been baptized, there's water right there. We've got clothes in the bath. There should be nothing that holds you back. And so those of you who are in the infant stage, through the adult or the spiritual parent stage, can I ask this? Can I ask that as we sing, that yes, we want you to sing, but could you be praying that God would work, that the Holy Spirit would move in the lives of those who are sitting right here to where they can get to right here? Let's pray together. Dearly Father, thank you so much for this day, Lord, and I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for our entire church family, Lord, and I know, God, that we're all on a different journey. Our spiritual maturity has nothing to do with the number of years that you've given us. And so I just pray that we'd be able to identify exactly where we fall, that we'd be able to move on to the next stage, and Father, we'd be able to identify what stages that people are in in our lives to where they, we, we can help move them on to spiritual maturity as well, and maybe even, as we talked about this morning, moving from death to life. And that's our prayer. God, if there's somebody here this morning who needs to make a decision, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict them. So in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we invite you to stand as we offer this invitation.